right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta, Cole C. DeButar here with us on your Friday edition of RCST. We got high school football coming at you later tonight. Adam and Cole will have your pregame show here on KLWN. Lawrence High taking on Free State in the City Showdown. And uh, Matt Llewellyn and Hank Booth will be on the call of that one at about 645. for that? It should be called the Mm. John Brown Cup. That's a cool name. That would be cool. Yeah. Would it be a... I, I don't like the cup idea. I think it should be, be a trophy a sta- of actually statue, John Brown. Yeah, yeah of him holding of, out of his arms. Him in that painting, a tragic prelude mm-hmm. that's in the state capitol with the Bible and the rifle. I like that, that statue. Well, why not at that point? Why not just you know the rifle he's holding? Why not just get like a you know a falsified rifle that doesn't have like, anything like in it and gold, then like yeah. bronze it out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how a lot of those trophies like the John, are. Like, the John Brown rifle. Yeah, and one of the best trophies I think personally, and like you have the college football rivalries, is the uh, iron skillet. Okay. It's just like a cooking skillet TCU and SMU play for. All right. I, I just like items like that. Like Paul yeah. Bunyan's axe. That's a lot cooler That's cool, than getting yeah. like a, a cop. Or just or, a trophy. Yeah. Or a yeah. Or I think, yeah, something, but something John Brown themed mm-hmm. for the Lawrence versus Free State, you know, I think that'd be cool. I like that. I like that. All right. So we'll get somebody to work on that. Um, so that game tonight on KLWN. Tomorrow we'll have uh, coverage KU football taking on Oklahoma, 11 o'clock, pregame 930. Live show at Mama's Tamale Shop, 8.30 to 9.30. Swing on by. We'll have some KU football tickets if you get there at an orderly manner. They're going to have breakfast tacos, breakfast empanadas, some awesome stuff at Mama's Tamale Shop tomorrow, so come on by. So KU takes on Oklahoma tomorrow, and that's facing a top-five team, a team who isn't just top-five but has found their stride after, even though they were ranked in that top-five earlier this season, they didn't really look like that team. They were just scathing by ever since Caleb Williams takes over. It's a new team. And on top of that, while they're hitting their stride, KU is doing the opposite. Uh, They have kind of gone backward from where we viewed them after maybe the Coastal Carolina and the Duke games. You come off a bye week, you play Texas Tech, a team we envision is maybe that's the ninth place team in the Big 12 with Kansas 10th. Maybe that's a game for you to be more competitive. And certainly that wasn't the case last Saturday uh, the point spread in this game is 38 and a half, and we'll talk later in the show about if they can cover the spread or not. Uh, but specifically for right now, I'm more so bring that up to say this is obviously a game where you're not expected to do well, and it would be surprising for you to win the game or to be competitive in the game in a standpoint of like it's actually a game, kind of like the game a couple years ago where Puka Williams went off and Kyler Murray went off and you know, you were never really in, in serious threat of winning that game, but you were never getting, you know, absolutely manhandled in that game either. That was uh, the weirdest game ever, too, because it felt like it was in Norman, too. Nobody was watching. It felt like what did I know? It was on Fox or <laughs> it was Fox late Sports at night. or something. Mm-hmm. We were at uh, I don't know if I want to say where we were because it's a bar and grill that uh, doesn't give us money. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were there with. Your, your wife, your girlfriend at the time, but now wife, Stacy. I don't think so, because I remember watching this game at my house. 
No, I'm pretty positive this mm. was any anyway. Point being, if if maybe we're talking about two different games, I just remember, um, Kate, you know, Puka Williams went nuts, and it just was like the weirdest. It felt late. I don't know. That was just a bizarre feeling game. I I remember too. We had somebody at the station go down there when they weren't supposed to. But that's a story for another day. Um, uh, more so in this game. Is there anything that would make you feel better about? Again, you're not going to feel better as the, about the team as a whole because they're not going to go out there and, like I said, win the game or surprise. And if they do, then it will make you feel better. But assuming that's not going to happen, that they're not going to be competitive in this game, is there anything you're looking for in this game that would make you feel better at least about something with this team? I'm fine if they cover. I mean, I don't think they will. Um, but how would that make you feel better? Because that's the issue. This is one of those games where you're such big underdogs. That, like, we've had other games where we've said, you could not cover and still make me feel better. This is not one of those because you could lose by 35. I don't think that's making you feel better that oh we it, covered but we lost by 35. It would and maybe this is just okay. because of the because of the standards we're currently at. I feel like you lose by 52 to Iowa State. If you turn around and only lose to Oklahoma by 35, I'm yeah, I I I'm I'm feeling better. Um I think if you put up over 20 points, I'm feeling good. Um you know, I, I think if you put up twenty points, I you know if it's that's the one for if me. If it's sixty three twenty one, Oklahoma mm -hmm. covers the spread, obviously in that situation because they would have won by forty two. But if it's sixty three twenty one and the offense, you know, there's just such an athletic difference, particularly on the up front. The Kansas offensive line just is not there when it comes to to you know, and we've talked before that's going to get fixed with recruiting. And that's going to get fixed with their strength and conditioning training in the off season. That's not you don't get bigger in season. You just hope to maintain your weight. And so athletically, they're just so outmatched, particularly up front, that if we can look at some drives that are just like, wow, they're actually putting together drives against a legitimate playoff contender. Um, if they put up twenty one points and it's done in a fashion that they go you know, 70 yards on a on a legitimate drive, I feel good. Here's my problem, Adam. I, I just don't see a world in which we put up 20 points. Like last I don't think it'll week, happen. Yeah. But I was just asked, would that make me feel Last better? week, I was actually a little more optimistic than I maybe should have been about how KU would perform against I a think very bad yeah. uh, tech defense. And we just completely dropped the ball on that. And so now I'm looking at Oklahoma, and I'm like, how on earth are we going to put up? Because uh, I think that was sort of my goal last week, too, was around like 20, 22 points or something like that. How are we going to put up 20 points on a way, way better defense than Tech if we couldn't do it to Tech? I, I, so th that's my problem is that, you know, uh, what would we do to make uh, me feel better is to go back in time one week and not lose like that to Texas Tech. See, but I'm I'm approaching this from a realistic view of, like I said, you're you're going to lose this game. So I I agree with Adam. If you can go out there and put up 20 points, which again I'm not expecting, but that would make me feel better. If Jason Bean goes out there and and shows some nice string of play and doesn't look turnover prone, would that not make you feel a little bit better? Just about because at this point in time. It's not about can this team salvage this season and make a bowl game or win four games. No, it's can they win one more game or can they just improve enough to make you feel better headed into the offseason. And the biggest offseason questions we're going to be talking about, uh, I mean, the number one every offseason is the quarterback position. If Devin Neal goes up 
puts up That'd another. Be great. If he puts up another hundred yards, I'll feel good. You know, to to just piggyback on the point you're making, Derek. I, I think if if the young if the guys who are probably going to be here next year continue to if if those individuals continue to raise their stock, I feel good. Yeah, I, I, I also think real quick, Cole. Uh, last year you lost to Oklahoma sixty-two to nine. You everybody you have played this year that you played last year, Beats you've lost worse. by more this year than you did last year. So uh, maybe maybe that's the spread I'm looking at. Can you lose by less than 53? So at least you show one game of improvement. I would like here, – here's here's one that I'll actually be serious about. I would like to score on back-to-back drives. Yeah. I think I think that would be an awesome showing. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if it only results in uh, three points both times. I think uh, showing that you could score on back-to-back drives would be a really really big deal for me. Let me add a caveat that to that if if you don't start deep, like if if it's not the result of a fumble, like I, I'll look if they score you want two sustained if, if, drives. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, they, yeah. if they score, I'll be happy. But I think there's something to be said about if you score because Oklahoma fumbles it at their own ten. That's okay. Fine, you scored. You take what you can get. But I would, I would add a caveat to that, Cole, and say if they score on back-to-back drives that start on their side of the fifty, I'll feel really good. Yeah, uh, that's 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 a great caveat because that's what I want to see. I don't want to see like can the offense get ten or twenty yards yeah. in the other team's <laughs> red zone. It's uh, can we play? Football, the way football is meant to be played, where you take the ball eighty or seventy-five yards down the field. Here's one. Here's one. Can David Lawrence still be making funny noises <laughs> in the second half? Because when games are tight and things start happen, Haney's doing his play-by-play, and David Lawrence is over there going, "Huh, huh, oh, he got." So if we can have David Lawrence making funny noises in the second half, that's a win. <laughs> All right. What would you rather happen? Would you rather? KU loses to Oklahoma by, let's say, 21 points, where they're always in front. They're never blowing you out, but you're never really feeling like you have a shot. So let's say, like, I don't know, 56 to, or no, that's, I don't know, 49 to 24. It's like perpetually between right. 21 and 28 mm-hmm. points. Would you rather that happen, or would you have rather have Texas Tech beat the brakes off of Kansas State? And I don't say this from a, a standpoint Rivalry, of like, but it yeah, improves the win. I just mean from a standpoint of if Texas Tech beats Kansas State soundly, wouldn't that make you feel a lot better about how you lost to Texas Tech for one? And for two, wouldn't that also make you feel like, uh-oh, maybe there's hope again. Kansas State might be more on our level than we thought. No, I, I don't really believe in the common opponents theory. Um, so no, I would take, if, if you're offering me those two, give me the option of being within three touchdowns of Oklahoma every time. My whole family roots for K-State, so I can't say the second one. So, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't, yeah, and, and look, I, I don't have an, I don't have an issue with K-State. I actually, no, and again, my, I didn't ask yeah, that no, from no, a standpoint it wasn't from the of rivalry like, yeah. standpoint. It was, if they, if they go and smoke K-State, our loss against, Kansas's loss against Texas Tech doesn't look as bad. Yeah. And to that point, but I just don't think. I don't know. I think common opponents can be a weird, uh, you know, because weird things happen. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what to expect in this game because I I always tell people. Now I think that Texas team with Vince Young was one of the eight best college football teams ever. But that 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 year, Texas w- was the national champion. KU is playing a national title contender tomorrow. 
KU in 05 went to a won a bowl game. Not only went to, they won a bowl game. And Texas beat Kansas that year 66 to 14. And so it's just one of those things. Kansas is so far behind what they were in 2005 since that was a bowl team. You know, if I mean they Oklahoma I think has the power to make KU tomorrow look like one of those teams that you pay $500,000 to just to drub at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I you know, and, and that's sad to say, and I and I don't know how many different ways I can say I, I still believe in Leipold, and I know, Derek, you feel the same way. Cole, I don't know about you. I still really believe in the direction that this program's going to go under, under Leipold, um, but there's just so, it's so difficult to to really think about other than looking at players like Devin Neal and Jason Bean and how they improve, it's just so hard to really think game to game with this team this year because they really are in, in rough shape. I don't think by any fault of, of Lance Leipold. I think by fault of administrations before. Yeah, um, I think I would actually take the K-State one, and here's why. Uh, just give me hope, man. It's it's not would just... It, would you honestly come away, whatever happens tomorrow between OU and Kansas, if you know if, if Texas Tech just rolls K-State, would you actually think that K-State can get got by Kansas at that point? Because we kind of fallen for that. We fell for that with Texas Tech. Oh, of course. Um, and we've fallen for that and before Duke. with Kansas State in the past. And I, it's not even that I think they would be able to do that. And, like, certainly I would probably be picking Kansas State against the spread when that happens, especially if you're talking about a lower spread at that point. I just... Just give me the hope. Give me something more interesting to talk about on the stations here. And it's less about, I, I don't know. I would just feel like, because right now, headed into the Texas Tech game, we viewed it as, well, what's the more winnable game left? Is it Texas Tech or West Virginia? And that was the debate. And, you know, now it's easy to say, looking back, like, oh, it's clearly West Virginia. And that's it. Texas Tech goes out there and beats up Kansas State like they beat yourselves up. Maybe you start to say, yeah, maybe the Kansas State one. And it just makes the rest of the season more interesting because then we're not just sitting there going, well, at this point, I guess we just wait to the last game of the season for even a 10% chance at winning. You know, you have another game in there that maybe you get a little more excited for, even though it's unlikely that you're going to win. Just give me the hope. So that's what I would take there. All right, we're going to take a timeout. On the other side, we're going to talk a little uh, Chiefs-Titans with Cole Cedabutar, Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brandon McAnderson joins us in 20 minutes. Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports joins us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, joins us in the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Joined now as we are on Fridays by Brandon McAnderson, former KU Orange Bowl winning running back member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. So BMAC, tough loss last week to Texas Tech, a game that you were expecting to be a little more competitive and all of a sudden you're down 41 nothing in that game before you score a couple late touchdowns to tighten it up a little bit. Uh, what do you say as as a player, as a coach, what is being said in the locker room in the immediate aftermath after that and what is being said and done in the week after that in practice? You know, it's a difficult thing, you know, to lose like that to a team that you were pretty evenly matched with to come out and just not perform well. I, I think you get, from a coaching perspective, it's easy to get their attention because I know they watched Texas Tech on film and thought they had a pretty good chance to win that game. Um, and that ended up not being the case. But I think what they did is they really got loose on the details. You remember Coach Kolnicki and uh, Coach Leipold talked a lot about 
We have no margin for error. We cannot be in long yardage situations. And I think the first six third downs were third and eight plus. And that's, they're just not an offense equipped to handle that. So I think that the motivation will be there for everyone just because I think for the most part, the players thought they matched up well and the coaches thought so as well. And to have a game end up like that, um, it's easy to be motivated coming into the next week. Were there any positives that you took away from that game? Or I, I guess where do we kind of go from here? Um, I would say no. I didn't see anything that I would consider to be positive. Um, I think it was cool that to see seniors have some success at the end. You know, guys like Miles Kendrick, Chris Hughes was in on that drive. You know, Dajio Lepetti was in on that drive. Uh, so I think that was good for them, you know, just because they've, you know, been here the long haul and great kids and guys that, you know, want to be a part of the culture here and, you know, are still contributing in some way. So I appreciated that for them. But I wouldn't say that there was a, a bright spot. I mean, they just did not compete at the level that they were capable of, did not execute at the level they're capable of, and I think it was just an overall disappointment. Well, and when you're having a, a disappointing result and, and having a season where you're struggling, and then all of a sudden you see a top-five team coming into town like Oklahoma is this week, uh, what's kind of the reaction there typically from, from a locker room? I think really you just want to compete against the best. You know, a lot of people that come to Kansas – you know, it usually comes down to, you know, some guys are heavily recruited, you know, guys like Kenny Logan, you know, some of those types. There are guys that choose Kansas over, you know, other major programs. But I do think there's a certain sense of, I want to come to the Big 12 so I can compete against the best. And I think that's what you come here for. You come here to test yourself against the best, to see if you're capable, you know, to see if you can be the guy to, to make a difference in a game against one of the top opponents in the country. So I think that's a motivating factor for a lot of people especially if you're from the Midwest, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas. Oklahoma's a gold standard in this conference, and this is an opportunity to compete against the best. We're talking with Brandon McAnderson. Uh, where do you find that, that fine line the rest of the year if you know this is about building the future, obviously, and with the season now, uh, with the record where it is, like where do you find the fine line between playing young guys to get them experience versus not wanting to expose them early if they're not ready versus not letting the upperclassmen get time? Like, do you start to bring in the young guys a little bit more now? I guess, where is that line? I'm not certain. And I would say that because I think that they have a clear understanding of who they want to redshirt because, you know, in the past, there are guys in that freshman class that would be playing right now. You know, if you look at our receiver group, it's not a, it's not a super deep group. You know, it's a solid group with, with with some talent sprinkled in there. But there's three freshmen on the roster that are very good. I, I saw them in camp. I love them all. Keelan Robinson, uh, Magic Rector, Tanaka Scott, these guys are going to be big time. So, But they've not got anywhere near the field, and I think that's on purpose. So they want to redshirt people like that. So those guys are in the mix. Deldrick Weathers, uh, Tommy Dunn Jr. is a guy I'm really excited about too. So I think they have a plan for that core to redshirt them and to give them a chance to, to build um, for a year before they're actually questioned the duty. On the other hand, there's guys that they have clearly decided that they maybe aren't going to redshirt. Those guys I would like to see playing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see on Dabney. I think Dabney's only played two games, but I think he's been very competitive and good. Um, Edmund White Schultz has played a couple games. So those guys are freshman DBs that have gotten a little bit of opportunity to play. So I don't think they have a lot of people that they're saying for certain that they want to expose to it and, and jeopardize their redshirt, especially if it's not a need position. So I think they're pretty good on keeping those young guys, you know, um, available. 
The other part of that is this team needs to win, and this team needs to prepare to win. And that's been a big issue for me before this regime. I don't think there was enough focus on, especially last season. I thought last season, offensively and defensively, was loss mitigation. Basically, like, look, we don't do these two things well, three things well, so we're going to do everything we can to protect against our weaknesses. And I think that's counterproductive to building a program because winning is the most important thing. So if you're not winning or trying to win, then what are you actually learning? So they need to play their best players. And, I, you know, that, that just is what it is. They've got to play their best players. They've talked about the urgency of conference realignment and, and how that's kind of sped up the clock. They need to try to win games. Talking with Brandon McAnderson here, Oklahoma, the opponent, 11 o'clock kick on KLWN. Pre-game starts at 9.30 after our show at Mama's Tamale Shop from 8.30 to 9.30. Uh, Caleb Williams, the quarterback for Oklahoma, is taking uh, the conference, the nation by storm. And a big conversation we've had here on the show over this last week is, does Caleb Williams deserve Heisman hype through playing just one and a half games? What are your thoughts on that? I don't really have any thoughts on that. I think the Heisman... I've, I've been out on the Heisman since Domican Sue didn't win. And, and the reason is because it was used to be considered the overall championship award, basically, for a player, the, the, the top of the top. But now it's just a quarterback award, as indicated by that. So let's say, you know, since, since Caleb Williams came into the lineup, Kennedy Brooks has been unstoppable. And no one's mentioned Kennedy Brooks as a Heisman candidate. And that's just the way that we're conditioned is that, because of the responsibility of a quarterback, it has to be a quarterback. You know, Michigan State's undefeated, and they're led by a running back. I haven't heard his name mentioned. I don't even know his name. <laughs> I just know that he's <laughs> had a great season. But no one's mentioned him as a as a Heisman candidate. So I think that the, the award is watered down now, and it's become an extension of the Quarterback of the Year award. So I honestly don't care. However, he is talented enough to be – in that mix moving forward. And I think there's no question that he will be. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to see him in person. He just appears to have all the tools that you would want from a young quarterback in this era. Do you view Oklahoma as the best Big 12 team and, and a legit title threat? I absolutely do. I thought last year of seeing them in person, their front seven was ferocious. They were fast and physical, and they could get all over the field at any time they wanted to. And that K-State loss really cost them an opportunity to compete at the highest level, which I thought they should have had. With Caleb Williams in the lineup, I don't think they'll have any of those issues. He's just a phenomenal player. They went from a a above-average offense, but in the mid-40s in yards per play uh, with Spencer Rattler to 9.4 yards per play, which is higher than Coastal Carolina. So, so in the plays that Caleb Williams plays, he's outstanding. Passes on 20 yards plus. He has five touchdowns but no interceptions. Uh, Spencer Rattler had two touchdowns to four interceptions. So he's just a, he's just a better player. And I think that's kind of the, the silver lining on this is you can talk what you want about Spencer Rattler and what he's not, but I think this is more about what Caleb Williams is. Is there anything in this game as KU's 38 and a half point underdogs and, and not expected to win or uh, keep the score too close? Is there anything that the Jayhawks you think might be able to find at least a little bit of success against Oklahoma with? Yeah, I think they need to. I think that when you're building a program, you, you just don't want to go out there and get your team kicked in. I think you want to be able to establish something. Something I would like to see is I'd like to see Jason being featured in the running game more. I know that they have a thing about protecting him from injury and that relationship to you 
know, making sure Jalen Daniels is redshirted because that's obviously part of the plan. So I think they're trying to walk this line of keeping him healthy to protect Jalen Daniels. When I think if it comes to it, and it, you know, if it comes down to it, and Jason Bean does get hurt, obviously no one wants that. Miles Kendrick is a serviceable player for what they do. To me, they need to feature Jason Bean in the running game, or because it's gotten to the point where, you know, he faced multiple thirds, six, seven, and eight, and he didn't run on any of them. Uh, quarterback run game, they had a they had a playing quarterback run, a lead play. I think he got about nine yards early in the game. Um, Duke, they had that run threat game where they were running like a power read look. Uh, that was Tory Lachlan's first touchdown, but that was built on the threat of Jason Bean as a runner. It's just got to be a featured staple of the offense. And I think this coaching staff wants to win um, as much as, you know, anything, as much as we want them to win. You know, it's not like they're not interested. It's just a matter of what, you know, doing what's best for the player. But I think what's best for the team is to feature him as a runner just so that it can open up some of the other things. I would like to see them go back to some of that because it kind of helps you get the numbers in your favor. And it's a, it's a good complement to what he does best, which is those deep balls. Like deep ball has been the best thing he's done since he's been here. Really, the quarterback conversation hasn't been one that we've had much this year from a good standpoint of in years past. It's been, well, is it going to go to another quarterback? And we haven't really had to have that with Jason Bean. I think last week was really the first time that there was questions there. So how important is it for him to have at least some bright spots, have some good moments in this game against Oklahoma? I think it's huge for his confidence. I thought he was a guy that was, you know, he to me he's a streaky passer. So he's someone that once he gets hot, he's hot. But if he, he can be as up and down as anyone, especially on his intermediate accuracy. Especially, you saw the interception um, to Lawrence Arnold. That was an unpressured play, and the ball just got away from him. Um, the other one he threw over the middle that should have been an interception was more pressure-related. So I'm not going to hold that one against him. However, I do think that there's things that he does well that they can feature, and I think they've tried to. I, just, I want them to go back to more quarterback run game. And I'm not talking about 12 to 15 carries. I'm talking about six to seven, you know, something that can complement, something that they can use to use his speed. Because I think when you pull up a scouting report on Kansas, that's got to be one of the first things you're concerned about is his speed and his ability to to get outside the pocket and make plays. So if that, if knowing that, that's what defense is up to paying for. Make them do it. You know, make them prepare for it. Make them defend it. Because I think it's still the most elite weapon that they have on offense. Okay, I have a a non-football question that kind of relates to football for you before we get into game picks. Um, I I know you can't specifically speak on on names of recruits or commits until they sign, um, and I don't know if that applies for basketball too, but it doesn't matter. Uh, KU got another commit for hoops in 2022, and that raised their recruiting ranking to third. So the question I have in relation to all that is just in the recruiting process – as someone who went through being recruited, um, like how much negative recruiting goes on and how much do you think that Bill Self now having essentially that lifetime contract has helped quell any of those negative recruiting pitches to where now they are getting all these recruits? Well, I think it's also, a, I mean, negative recruiting for a team like Kansas would be something that's definitely a factor because there's so much parity at the top of college basketball in terms of the top six to seven programs. However, name and likeness, name, image, and likeness has been the, the difference to me because ultimately you're coming to a program that you know is stable. They've had eight coaches in 100 years. I mean, so there's nothing, nothing's going to change here. This program, 
is self-sufficient and it's going to take care of itself. Now there's programs in place that are not just saying, hey, let's see what we can do. It's like, hey, we're going to put money in your pockets. You're going to be featured on a, on a campus and at a school that prioritizes basketball, that the fan base prioritizes basketball, that plays the national schedule. Every year, Kansas is playing non-conference in California, in Texas, in New York City. So they're everywhere playing everyone. So that's, that's every version of what you want as a basketball player. Beyond that, you get coached hard. And I think that there's a, there's a sense that um, high school players don't want that. But that's what they're going to get in the NBA. You're going to get coached hard. And everybody that gets to this level that's under consideration to play for Kansas is someone that dreams about the NBA, especially with this class, you know, all four being in the top 70. So those guys want to play in the NBA. They want to be coached hard, and they want money. And now you get all three at Kansas, and you get stability beyond what other programs can offer. Because there's a lot of good programs. I don't know how many of them can say that. You know, eight coaches in a hundred years. Is, I mean, I may be off on that number, but somewhere around there. So I think that stability and infrastructure is something that recruits can look at, look at, and find stability. And then the announcement of their partnership for name, image, and likeness is another chip in in the cap. But I think that this rule has actually helped Kansas. Um, do things that, that other programs were doing anyway, but now it's out in the open. All right, let's get on to some game picks. You've been killing it. You are 36-28 and 28 overall. Wow. All right, first up, number eight, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. The Cyclones are giving up seven. Mm, Iowa State's favored by seven, you think? Yeah. Oof. I don't think they'll cover, but I do think they'll win. Number 10, Oregon is on the road. They're playing UCLA. The Bruins are favored by a point. UCLA's healthier, so I'm going to go UCLA. LSU is at number 12, Ole Miss. The running Rebels are giving up nine and a half. Mm. I'm going to say that, Kevin. Okay, uh, Clemson is at number 23, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is giving up three points. I'm going to go with Clemson. And this is what I thought should have been college game day this week, but they opted for the UCLA-Oregon game. That would be number 22, San Diego State. At Air Force, the Falcons are giving up three points. Hmm. I don't know anything about either one of these teams, but there was a kid from Kansas City that plays for San Diego State, so I'm going to go for San Diego State. I just think the biggest, because uh, Air Force runs triple option, and I have no problem with that because I actually love watching the triple option, but um, it's such a shame that like Air Force, uh, a team who's known, you know, or a school that is known for you know doing stuff through the air, is not just like a Mike Leach offense, right? Right. <laughs> All right, yeah, on to the NFL. Uh, the Chiefs are minus four and a half. They are at the Titans. I like the Chiefs. Bengals are at the Ravens. Baltimore's given up six and a half. I like Baltimore. Texans are at the Cardinals. The line is 17 and a half in favor of Arizona. Yeah, I'm taking Arizona. <laughs> uh, Bears at Buccaneers, another big line. The Bucks are favored by 12 and a half. I like the Bears. Bucks have been kind of weird in these games where they're heavily favored. I think they've been a little bit bored. So I'm going to say they're not going to cover the real one. Last one, Indianapolis is at San Francisco. The 49ers are giving up four points. I like the bonus. All right, those are your game picks and our conversation with BMAC. BMAC, thank you so much for the time, and uh, have a good weekend. Have fun on the call tomorrow. All right, appreciate you, man. All right, that was Brandon McAnderson, former KU Orange Bowl winning running back member of the Jayhawk Radio Network, joining us on a Friday, as he does every week. I'm Derek Johnson, one hour down, two to go on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. 
four o'clock hour here on your Friday. I'm Derek Johnson, along with me, Adam Trevetta, Colsey Butar. This is RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. We got high school football on the airwaves tonight. Tomorrow, we have KU Oklahoma at 11 o'clock, and we'll have our uh, live pregame show out at Mama's Tamale Shop at 8.30. Speaking of college football, Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports joins us now on the show. We've had Stephen on a couple times this year. Always really enjoy our conversation. Stephen, thank you for making some time to uh, hop on with me today. Hey, guys. It's great to talk to you. It's kind of crazy. We're, we're already here almost halfway through the season, but uh, what a crazy season it's been so far. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I was listening to your podcast uh, earlier this week, and, and uh, it reminded me of the fact that as crazy as this has been, we are not far away from getting a Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and uh, Oklahoma playoff through all the chaoticness. It, yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? You know, it's, it was kind of the same way last season where we had all the week-to-week uncertainty all the chaos during the season, and we ended up with Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, Ohio State in the college football playoff. And, you know, the, the scenario you laid out there is very likely. I mean, Alabama, of course, needs to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, but Oklahoma's rolling now uh, over the last couple games. Ohio State's going to have some big contests coming up. But, you know, we've had some drama, we've had some upsets, we've had a lot of ranked teams lose, but at the end of the day, we might just end up with the playoff that we all fought before the season started. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it seems like we're trending that way right now. Uh, Georgia is very interesting to me because I think bar none, you have to say they're the number one team in the country, and how could you not with how dominant they have been? They're doing it with a backup quarterback in a lot of these games, going on the road, just blasting top 25 team after top 25 team. Is there... Is there any question in your mind of not that they're the number one team, but how it could look in a playoff game, knowing that if you go through their schedule right now, yes, Kentucky and Auburn and Arkansas and Clemson are all teams. If they're not top 25 teams, they're right near it. But now that Clemson has fallen off a little bit from what we expect them to be uh, like none of those teams and nobody that they're going to play the rest of the regular season is going to be viewed as I don't think, like a top 10 team at the end of the year. Maybe something changes. Is there any question in your mind what happens when they do face like a, a very elite opponent? Yeah, I think there is a couple questions with this team. And the first one is what the biggest question mark was coming into the year. And that was the secondary. Um, you know, they brought in Darian Kendrick, the transfer from Clemson. He sort of solidified the cornerback spot, but they really haven't faced a passing attack yet that could threaten their secondary. Auburn hit a few big plays. Um, Kentucky did some nice things through the air last week. But still, it's so hard to block their defensive front that there's, if, even if they have a concern in the secondary, it's probably limited. Uh, but I think it would be curious to see what an Alabama offense could do against this, this, this defense in an SEC championship game. Can they test the secondary? So I think a, a team that could move the ball successfully through the air would be a good challenge for this defense. I think the other thing is what's, what are they going to do with the offense when it comes to quarterbacks and receivers? It looks like they're going to play two quarterbacks the rest of the way. It gets a little dicey. You know, as if, you know, the old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have one quarterback. They've got two guys who are playing well. I, I just, I would, if I was Georgia, I would really want to get JT Daniels and some of those injured receivers back and get the offense uh, clicking at the end of the year. Because once you start changing parts out late in the season against the potentially Alabama 
it gets a little dicey. So I, I am curious to see how their offense goes from here and then in a potential SEC championship game, what would the secondary, which hasn't really been tested yet, uh, how it would hold up. Okay, we've spent all this time in talking with college football just as like uh, a national perspective discussing how there's all these similars to 07 with the chaoticness. But uh, when you just mentioned Georgia with the 2QB system, and I'm starting to think here, we have Georgia, an SEC team who is dominating teams, has this elite defense, has two QBs who might be playing. Maybe this is 2012 where Georgia is just filling LSU's role and then we're going to get the Alabama instead of Alabama LSU. We get Alabama Georgia. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, I'm ducking under my desk as, as I say this. <laughs> if, you, if you guys go to athlonsports.com right now and read our bowl projections, I do have a uh, Alabama Georgia projection for the national championship, being that Alabama beats Georgia and then they rematch in the national championship. But you know, I do think looking ahead, you know, you you study Alabama, they do have some flaws. They're a younger team. Their offensive line isn't quite there. So I don't know that it's guaranteed that Alabama beats Georgia. So I think if you're looking for something different, you know, root for Georgia to beat Alabama, uh, root for Ohio State maybe to lose once along the way. So Cincinnati sneaks in there. So I don't know we're done with chaos, but I think Alabama, Georgia are probably the two best teams. Okay, if I if I told you you can't take I don't know I'll I'll just limit it to this. If I said you have to pick one of these two options for winning the title, either a team from the Big Ten or a team from the Big Twelve, what would you take? Man, that's a great question. I, I would probably lean Oklahoma. Um, from I guess the, the team. Well, I take that back. If we're doing just conferences, I mm-hmm. would take the Big Ten because I think Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and and I throw Iowa. There's more teams in there I think could maybe win a one-game scenario. Outside of Oklahoma, yeah, I know Oklahoma State's sitting there at 6-0. and I, I've been doubting them all season. I don't know that I would feel great about them in a playoff game, whereas I think I would trust some of the Michigan-Ohio State, uh, Michigan State teams based upon what we've seen this year uh, in, the, in the playoffs. Who do you think is, is more likely to, and we've never seen a two-loss team in the playoff, though it would have happened with Auburn uh, a few years ago, but I feel like that's an exception to the rule because they're the SEC champ. Now, if there's a lot more chaos this year, then maybe that's a possibility. But I, I more so bring up this because I feel like every year, um, whether it's you know the Georgia team with Matt Stafford or the USC team with Sam Darnold, and you can find many other examples of every year there's a team who maybe they have some early season struggles or stumbles and they end up with two or three losses, but by the end of the year, they're on a six, seven, eight game winning streak or something, and they head into the bowl game, and you know the national conversation is always, well, they can't make the playoff, but it, it, they're the team I wouldn't want to play the most right now, or they're the hottest team in the country right now. Uh, do you think, who do you think is more lined up for that? Could that be an Iowa State role, a Clemson role, somebody else? Yeah, I certainly think Iowa State is one of those teams that under Matt Campbell, they seem to get better over the course of the season. And they have the star power on offense with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. And, of course, their defense has been very good this year. And, and it's, that coaching staff in sort of like a you know one-game scenario, you would not want to play them. I do think Texas A&M is very interesting because you know they started off you know with the change of quarterback due to injury. They struggled against Colorado. They lost to, to Mississippi State in a surprise, but they beat Alabama. They've been playing better um, over the, the last couple weeks since they beat Alabama. So I, I am curious to see where they end up because they still have to play Auburn. They still have to play Ole Miss. 
Um, they still have to play LSU, and we'll see where LSU is at the end of the year. Texas A&M might be one of those teams that sort of reels off here, six, seven wins to close the year, finishes 10-2, and two, but is outside the playoff, but maybe sitting there somewhere in the top 10. How crazy would it be if like NC State were to win out and, and what you mentioned with Texas A&M, they were to win out, and at the end of the year we're having a discussion if NC State or Texas A&M deserves a spot in the playoff with both of them having a loss to Mississippi State. I guess it'd be kind of perfect for the way this year has gone because yeah. <laughs> it has kind of resembled 2007. And, you know, not to mention, if, if that's a scenario, you know, we're also potentially looking at, like, Cincinnati making the playoff. We're also looking at maybe Iowa getting back into the conversation. So I, there's so many scenarios that are still out there. Some of them, you know, are certainly seem far-fetched. But, you know, most of these teams still have six games left. And we've seen what's happened through the first six weeks of the season, six, seven weeks of the season. So I don't think we should just completely dismiss any kind of uh, scenarios at this point. Okay, I'm interested in the group of five angle of this. Uh, You mentioned Cincinnati, and right now they would be in that playoff just based on the AP poll. We don't have, obviously, the college football playoffs rankings yet. Um, What do you think has to happen for them? I mean, obviously, going undefeated is a given there, but if... If there's a one-loss Ohio State or a one-loss Big Ten champ, if there's even a one-loss Oklahoma, do you think Cincinnati is still getting in? What do they need to still make the playoff? I think they still need some help. I think Cincinnati can help itself by winning and winning impressively over the next uh, you know, six games, seven games if you count the conference championship game. The good news is SMU continues to win and should be ranked when they play in a few weeks. They do not play Houston. Houston is another team that could sneak into the rankings. So I think if you're Cincinnati, you're rooting for SMU and Houston to keep winning and be ranked. And also, I think Cincinnati, what they've done, um, you know, they beat Temple and they beat UCF recently, but they took it to both of those teams. So I think kind of getting you know, 20, 30-point victories is important. But I think in terms of making the playoff, I still think they would be behind a one-loss Big Ten champion with the strength of schedule that some of the Big Ten teams are going to accumulate in November. Alabama with one loss, if they beat Georgia, probably ahead of Cincinnati. So I think if you're Cincinnati, you have to kind of continue on the track of just take care of business, but also scoreboard watch in the sense that you probably need Alabama to lose and you might need Oklahoma uh, to lose one time as well. I, I still think they're in a little bit of trouble. I think they'd be on the outside looking in um, at this point in terms of the playoffs. Okay, what about, you mentioned SMU, San Diego State. Is there any shot at the playoff for San Diego State or SMU? Specifically with SMU, you have the TCU win, which I, I don't know how much weight that'll carry unless TCU gets hot. San Diego State's the one that's interesting to me because they beat Utah, and who knows, what if Utah wins out, wins the Pac-12, is it 11-2, and two? Would San Diego State have any shot in the world? I don't think so. You know, I, it's hard. Well, one thing I will say is that when you look at the AP poll, the college football playoff committee starts from scratch every week. And so they won't look at the AP poll. They'll probably know where it's ranked. But, you know, San Diego State's in the 20s right now. Conceivably, they could be higher by the playoff committee. I just think it's probably going to be too big of a lift for them to go somewhere in the 15 to the 20. Also, strength of schedule, you know, they're probably not going to beat a lot of teams in the Mountain West that are ranked. They could beat some good teams, just not ranked teams, and to get where they need to. So I think it's probably a long shot at this point for anybody else from the group of five outside of Cincinnati 
to make the college football playoff unless there's a bunch of chaos in, in, in the other conferences. We're, we're talking with Steven Lassen of Athlon Sports. I uh, sometimes hate with the college football playoff how entrenched we get with just the playoff talk, and here I am basically doing that with you. So uh, I, I want to open up some more stuff here. Is there a team or a player that has provided maybe your favorite story so far this season? You know, I think just in general, I've been intrigued by the Big Ten because last season Michigan and Penn State were down, and we came into the season wondering if Indiana would pick up where they left off. They've been really struggling on offense, but their defense is good. But you see that you know Michigan State this year has improved. Penn State is better. Michigan, the stretch in you know starting next week until the end of the season is really going to be just fun in the Big 12, Big Ten. There are matchups every week that are going to play a large role in the national landscape and uh, within the conference landscape. You know, you mentioned SMU, but, you know, one of the storylines, too, is also UTSA. Uh, 7-0 from Conference USA, their schedule, could they could win uh, a 13-0 type season. They still have to get past UAB. So, you know, it's, it's a good story uh, out of Conference USA for UTSA to potentially run the table and go undefeated. Unlikely to make the playoff, of course, but still would be a good story this year. Uh, what would be your Heisman vote right now? Would you give any love to uh, Caleb Williams? I think he's certainly in the conversation. You know, it's it's the funny thing is, you know, you think back to last season of how wide open it was until kind of Devonta Smith took off in in November and later in the season and became the favorite. I think right now it's it's kind of in that same spot. If he continues to play like he did the last two weeks, I think he has to be in the conversation, especially if Oklahoma wins out. I, I still think Bryce Young and, and Matt Corral the two quarterbacks from Alabama and Ole Miss are probably closer to the top of the list right now. They would be my top two. I'd probably give an edge to Corral with Young second and then maybe throw in uh, Caleb Williams, Kenny Pickett, Bijan Robinson, all competing for that next spot. All right, he's Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports. Stephen, before we let you go, we we do something with my uh, co-host and producer here, Adam Dravetta. One last thing with Adam. All right, Stephen, one last thing. I did some research uh geography research based on your area code have you ever eaten at mama mia's pizza in dover tennessee (laughs) (laughs) no i haven't i've actually never heard of that place i've i've very rarely been to dover uh tennessee i'm usually more of a nashville kind of drive-in i usually don't go west (laughs) Ah, okay i just i based it on um dover i believe it was i can't remember the county they're in um Looks like they oh Stewart County. I, I know that that area code is a lot in Stewart County, so I just looked up the county seat of Stewart uh, uh, County, which happens to be Dover, and then I just researched some some Dover restaurants. So I, I wasn't sure if you made a made a trip to Mama Mia's. Looks like a pretty tasty menu. They close <laughs> at nine, so you got time to get there. I, I was gonna say I, I'm I'm getting pretty hungry here, guys. I may have to make a trip out there tonight. <laughs> All right, before uh, before we let you go, on that note, uh, I'm, there's going to be some Chiefs fans listening who maybe they're they're in Nashville for the Titans game. So uh, give a good spot to eat in Nashville. Oh man, uh, shoot! There's, there's so many downtown, you know. Especially there's um, man, I'm, I'm drawing a complete blank right now. Any hot on, chicken uh, joints? Yeah, there is Hattie B's. That's a, that's a there great we go. one. Uh, it, it's down there in uh, on, I believe on Charlotte Avenue for for those of you down there for the game this weekend. 
Awesome. Well, that's Stephen Lassen. Check out all his awesome work, Athlon Sports. Stephen, thank you so much, as always, for coming on the show, man. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Appreciate it. That's Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson along with Adam Dravetta and Colsey Debutar here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We heard game picks from Brandon McAnderson earlier on in the show. Brian Haney, by the way, going to join us, voice of the Jayhawks, in the 5 o'clock hour here. All right, so we'll get to our game picks for this week, college football, then NFL. Adam, you are 10-5 and five in college football this year. BMAC 20-15. and 15. I'm 19-16. and 16. Cole, you're 10-15. and 15. Overall, though, Adam's 20-9. BMAC and myself are 36 and 28. Cole, you're 23 and 26. That includes college football and the NFL. Our first game will go Cole, Adam, then myself here is number eight, Oklahoma State. They're at Iowa State. The Cyclones are giving up seven points. Who? Um I think I like I think I like Iowa State here. Uh I'm not sure if I could justify that opinion, though. I think I like Iowa State, though. All right, very confident bet that he thinks he likes Iowa State. Adam, uh, I are was you uh, more confident than that. I was looking for our for our uh, music bed real quick. Give me that line again. Uh, Oklahoma State is at Iowa State. The Cyclones are giving up seven. Oh man, um, no for seven. Golly, I guess this feels like a Vegas know something game to me. So so give me the Cyclones. Um, you could say they're hitting their stride. I think. Um, K-State fans, as time goes on, is going to feel will, they'll feel much better about that loss to Iowa State because um, I think they are hitting their stride. So, I guess give me the Cyclones. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. I, I actually like Iowa State to pull the upset here, but seven points seems like too much. I view this as being a defensive game, lower scoring game. It's two really good defenses, maybe in the low 20s or something like that, and a low scoring tight game. So I'll take Oklahoma State with the points, but Iowa State to win the game. Number 10, Oregon is at UCLA. The Bruins are giving up a point. Oh, uh, UCLA. Yeah, let's do UCLA there. I'm 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 big on that one. I think Oregon wins, and if they're giving me money, or if they're giving me even if it's a point, um, I'll take the team that I think that's going to win outright anyway. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, – wait, did you say Oregon or UCLA? I said Oregon. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with UCLA as well. Um, Oregon's been kind of limping – CJ Verdell now out. They're running back. This feels like a Vegas knows something line. UCLA's unranked. They're they're the favored team here. Oregon barely beating Cal last week, who's a one-win team. I think Chip Kelly gets a little bit of uh I guess it's not revenge. Like he left them. It's not like there was sour taste or anything, but Chip Kelly game. Uh in the rematch, I guess. I don't know what to call this against Oregon. LSU is at number 12 Ole Miss. The running Rebs are giving up nine and a half. Nine and a half, huh? That's that's a tough one. I, I really like Ole Miss to win. Um, do I like them to win by like more than a touchdown? Yeah, let's go Ole Miss. But that's that's a that's a weird line that I'm not a fan of. What time is the game? <laughs> um, I have no idea. Why would that impact things? If it was eleven o'clock, I'd take Ole Miss immediately. Um, Why? It's a two thirty. I want to hear the explanation here, though. Well, I just I think it's hard for a road team to get up. And get really, I mean, 11 a.m. I always love home home games. I mean, if, if I think the games are even, I think tomorrow. So you're saying KU playing no, at 11 against I think, Oklahoma? I think that's an example that it's not even enough for mm-hmm. me to for that to be a difference. I just think it's really 
Um, road teams and 11 a.m. games, I don't ever really trust. Uh, Orgeron, you know, just they had the announcement that this is going to be his last season. Um, yeah, give me LSU. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with LSU. Ed Orgeron has done well as an interim head coach, and that's basically what he is now. LSU looked good last week at Florida, and the big thing for me, Ole Miss, uh, their quarterback, Matt Corral, who we heard from Stephen Lassen earlier talking about how he might be the front runner for the Heisman for him right now, and for a lot of people, that's the case as well. He's a little banged up. He's supposed to play, but they don't know his full availability, so I'll just go with LSU because there's maybe a little more certainty there. Clemson is at number 23, Pittsburgh. The Panthers are giving up three points. Oh, Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Clemson's going to win that game, so... Uh, you know, sort of similar to what Adam said. If they're if they're gonna give me that three point barrier in the first place, might as well take it. I really want to. The 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 fact that I like Clemson so much kind of worries me. Again, this feels like a Vegas know something game. I felt for a while I never thought Clemson was going to turn into a title contender, but I felt for a while this is going to be kind of a year that Saban has at Alabama every now and then, where they fall down and only win ten or nine instead <laughs> of thirteen. Um. I I felt I said a couple weeks ago that that Clemson is going that Wake Forest is going to play against Clemson and get a severe humbling. <laughs> um, but man, the fact that they're giving Pitt or they're they're giving Clemson points, um, I don't know. I guess still still give me still give me the Tigers. Honestly, your explanation, even though you picked Clemson, has convinced me to change my pick. I was going to go with Clemson, but. You're right. Something is weird about this. I almost feel like Clemson should be favored in this game. I'll say this. Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett has been a stud this year. I mean, he's popping up. and a terrible name for a quarterback. Pickett? Yeah, Pickett. that is. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I don't know, might be a top five Heisman candidate right now. He's been really good. And that's the thing with Clemson. Their offense has been bad this year. Their defense has been really freaking good. Like, the defense is still good enough for this to be a top five team. It's just the offense has been that bad. But because I think Pittsburgh, I trust the offense, I trust the quarterback, I think they can at least put enough points where I don't trust the Clemson offense. So I'm going to actually switch this pick. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Maybe Vegas knows something. Uh, number 22, San Diego State. Is that Air Force minus three? Dude, what on earth? I know nothing about Air Force. <laughs> I, lo- I know less than nothing Respect about Air troops, Force. Respect the troops, Cole. <laughs> um, uh, SDSU, unless uh, they get drone striked on their way to, <laughs> to the field. Yeah, I, I know nothing about either of these teams. Um, but, yeah, give me give me San Diego State. I think this should have been college game day, as I mentioned, with BMAC. Um, you have a undefeated San Diego State team who's ranked 22nd. think they should be ranked higher because— We didn't play the BMAC, by the way. I, I mean, you pre-recorded it, but Cole and I just decided to chat the entire time. I didn't play that. I was in here end. while you were playing. <laughs> um, so, anyway, thanks for revealing that that was pre-recorded. Uh, San Diego State— uh, is undefeated this year. They beat Utah, who right now is looking like the team to beat in the Pac-12 South. And San Diego State, who knows? Maybe they're a really good team. Uh, Air Force has one loss this year. I'm a little surprised Air Force is favored. I'm going to go San Diego State. Brady Hoke is uh, their head coach, and he's a defensive coach, so make your money worth against uh, the triple option. Okay, so I'm going to go with the... Uh, Aztecs on that one. My lock of the week, I'm 6-1 and one in lock of the week right now. Wake Forest has only given up three points at Army. This isn't as great of an Army team as some of the years past. 
I think Wake Forest went. I mean, that would be a big blow if Wake Forest, your only undefeated team left in the ACC, were to have their first loss on the road against Army. So I'm going to take the Demon Deacons in that one. Okay, on to the NFL. Adam, you're 10 and 4. I'm 17 and 12. Cole, you're 13 and 11. First up, Chiefs minus four and a half. They're at Tennessee. Yeah, no, I'm taking the Titans. I think the Chiefs turn it on. I think this game is something like um, 35-27. I think there are going to be a couple scenarios in which the Chiefs score touchdowns when the Titans settle for field goals. Give me the Chiefs laying the points. I actually kind of like the Chiefs to win outright, which is scaring me a little bit. But I think the Titans cover the spread. I think it's a close game. Like I think it's a game that neither team can really stop each other, and it takes a late Patrick Mahomes drive where we come away from it where it's just like Patrick Mahomes was the difference in that game, and they win 34-31 or 38-35. So I think four and a half is too much. If, if this was like two and a half or less, I think I'd take the Chiefs, but I think that might be just a little bit too much. So I'm going to lean uh, the Titans on that one. Bengals at Ravens. Baltimore's given up six and a half. Oh, so only six and a half? I totally think the Ravens can win by uh, a touchdown. Mm. 100% Ravens. Um, I'll go Cincinnati. Any reason? Uh, I mean, I I think they're they're probably a little more on than than a lot of people think. Um, I think the Ravens are really good, but I I think Cincinnati is emerging as maybe the second best team in that division when the Browns as beat up as they are. I think fully healthy, the Browns are better, but um, I think Cincinnati's kind of emerging as the second best team in that division. I think they hang. It's at home. It's in Cincinnati. No, it's in Baltimore. That makes it tougher. I still think they hang within a touchdown of them. I am going Cincinnati here for a couple of reasons. One, Baltimore is off a big high. They just dominated the Chargers. Maybe a little bit of a letdown from that perspective. The other thing, Bengals' defense has been pretty darn good this year, enough that I think they can keep this close. And I actually am starting to believe it. Like, I don't think Cincinnati is like a, a Super Bowl contender in the same ilk as I view Baltimore, the Chargers, or Buffalo, or whatever. But I do view them as a legit, like, playoff team who can maybe win a playoff game uh, kind of in the same light we were talking about the Trailblazers where you know they're a team that I don't think was going to win at all but could they upset somebody in the playoffs yeah I do and when you look at what they've done I mean they're three points away from beating the Bears they're three points away from beating the Packers that's what separates them from 6-0 and and I get it you can do this with like every NFL team because the close wins and losses are what define most of the games but you probably could have beat the Packers in that game that went to overtime. You beat up on a bad Lions team. Uh, you beat up on the Steelers, one by 14. I think this is a good Bengals team. I think they keep it close. I really like Joe Burrow. Give me the Bengals plus the six and a half. Texans are at the Cardinals. Guess that line. Uh, 14 and a half. 17 and a half. Ooh, okay. Uh, I still like Still like the Cardinals. Uh, Hopkins revenge game, baby. Mm. He's just going to go and run and pull down like 200 yards and two touchdowns. That's my prediction for Hopkins' stat line. I, in general, have a rule that if it's more than two touchdowns in the NFL, I either take the underdog or I do not bet it. I would more than likely just not bet this game. Um, but since I have to make a pick here following that rule, uh, give me the Texans and the points. I'm going Cardinals. Uh, I don't know. Texans are just really, really bad, and they've lost many games this year by more than 18 points. Cardinals are really good. They're winning games by more than 18 points a lot this year, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals. And revenge game for not just DeAndre Hopkins, but J.J. Watt as well. Right, right. Chicago is at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers are giving up 12 and a half. 
Yeah, I think Chicago's terrible, man. I can't believe I was <laughs> high on them at one point in the season. Uh, basically, like week two, I was high on them in like week two. Uh, man, yeah, that's not a that's not a good team. Uh, we're gonna go the Buccaneers. How, how on earth are you supposed to guard all those uh, Tampa Bay receivers anyway? It doesn't it doesn't feel fair to any team that's not that does not like an elite defense. And even then, a team that does have an elite defense like the Rams, I'm still not sure how I feel about them against the Buccaneers. It, it's just tough. Uh, what did you say the line was? Once Twelve and a half. Ooh. It's approaching two touchdowns. No, I, I, I guess I'll go the other side of the coin. I just presented to you. I, give me the Bucks. I think they're really hitting their stride right now. I'm gonna go with the Bears. I think they at least like the Bucks have had some games against teams you think they would dominate that have been closer than you think, and then when they're playing, you know, better teams, it might be they're beating them by more than you think. And this is one of those. They they only won by six last week uh, against the Eagles, who were not very good. I think the Bears can at least keep it close, so give me the 12.5 for Chicago. Last one, Indianapolis is at San Francisco. The 49ers are giving up four points. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I think I like the Colts here. Uh, yeah. The difficult part is that's in San Francisco. I think that's why I'm being a little more hesitant. If this was a Colts home game, I think I would definitely pick the Colts. If this were like a theoretical neutral site, I think I'd pick the Colts. But uh, it being in San Francisco makes me a little cagey. I think I'm going to go the Colts, though. I really like the way Carson Wentz has been playing the last couple weeks. Um, that that's, that's the one thing that gives me pause. I think the Colts might actually have a, a better quarterback situation than we initially thought and, and I was going to say better coach better quarterback give me that team but I think uh, the better quarterback is on one team and I think the better coach is on the other um, very very slight lean to San Francisco though I think the 49ers win but I think the Colts are like your classic team and there's a couple of these every year I kind of mentioned it with the Bengals, how you can do this with so many teams where you lose close and you can say this, that like right now the Patriots are, are the ultimate team where it's like, well, they're this close away from being five and one. It's like eventually, you know, in the NFL, all the games are close for the most part. So, you know, you are what you rec- your record is. I feel like that's the Colts, though, which helps me in taking the four points here. The fact that the Colts are this team that plays a lot of teams close and then they come up empty. Like I think about the Ravens game where you lose in overtime, right? Um, so I think the Colts at least keep this close. Revenge game for DeForest Buckner. Or wait, is DeForest Buckner? No, DeForest Buckner's on. No, DeForest Buckner. Oh, the Colts. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's right. Man, I almost pulled a Chris Broussard there for a second. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with the Colts plus the four points against the 49ers. Um, and then if I had to give like a lock of the week for the NFL, I haven't been doing this this year. I don't even know. I'm just going to blind bet the over on the Chiefs Titans, right? <laughs> what do you, you don't, I don't know, know what it is? I'm just blind betting it. All right. Let's see. I bet you it's 50. I mean, the the Bills game, it was 56 and a half, I want to say. I think last week it was like 54. So I can't imagine it's it's anywhere above that. But, like, I envision this. You, you had it, what, 35, 28, something like that? 35, 27? That'd be in the 60s. It's 35, that 24 high. is what I... So that's 59. No, 27. Yeah, you're right. So, I don't know. Blind bet the over. Uh, Shane Jackson once said, never blind bet anything. But I'm doing it. I don't care. What anybody says. All right, with Adam Dravetta, Cole C. DeButar, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Two hours down, one to go. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will join us at some point in the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST. Brian Haney, Voice of the Jayhawks, joins us now in the studio. Brian, how's it going, man? What's up, fellas? How we doing? 
Uh, can't complain. Can't complain. Uh, KU Oklahoma tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Um, is there anything specifically? We were just talking about kind of the idea of what you're looking for in this game and, and um, how it's not a game that you're expecting to necessarily be one that KU's going to go out there and win or, you know, can you be in it in the third quarter? That's not really the case with this one. Is there anything specifically that you're looking for that you would like to see from whether it's a player level, position level, uh, team level at all that you'd walk away from feeling good about? I caught the tail end of your previous comments, and I think you hit the nail on the head with Jason Bean. He's a guy that is capable of so much more than what we've seen in these Big 12 games. You go back to his non-con, and obviously it's lesser competition in some cases. Coastal was pretty good. But uh, you talk about a guy that showed us this explosive playmaking ability, both with the vertical passing game and with his feet. And because of that, had Kansas with a halftime lead at Duke, down just six early in the third at a top 20 Coastal Carolina team. And we were all hopping on the Jason Bean bandwagon thinking, you know what, if, if he plays like this, then win or lose, Saturdays are going to be a whole lot of fun for the next 10 weeks, right? And it hasn't been much fun as they've gone up against some much stiffer defenses in Baylor, Iowa State, and most recently Texas Tech. And Texas Tech obviously was a little bit of a gut punch because I think a lot of us on paper perceive them to be the closest thing to Kansas in, in our lay of the land looking at the Big 12. Jason had a game he'd like to have back. And I think if anything – it speaks to his importance on this team that if he's really good, I mean, it, it's worth a 14 to 20 point swing in the final margin, I think. Uh, not just in terms of him producing 14 to 20 additional points, but limiting mistakes that give the opposition a cheap seven if it's a fumble deep in our own end or an interception that sets up the opposition with a short field. And that's not to say he has to play a perfect game, but I spotlight his optimal potential specific to last week because if he goes out and it's the Jason Bean that we saw in Durham or the Jason Bean that we saw at Coastal, I think KU plays within 10 to 14 points of Texas Tech and we have a much different feeling coming out of that game than we did down 41 to nothing with a minute left. I don't put too much stock in what we saw from Kendrick with the two garbage time touchdowns in terms of you know, a lot of folks have asked me this week on other stations, do we have a quarterback controversy? None. No. Uh, Miles is Tremendous teammate, hardworking dude, won awards in the offseason for his leadership, his work ethic, his work in the weight room, all that. Uh, and he comes in and makes the most of his chances. But when it comes to the physical tools that Jason, uh, Jason Bean brings, say that five times fast, it's pretty unique to him. There's nobody else in that quarterback room that can do the things he can do, uh, especially when it comes to his jet speed to the edge and, and getting the shoulder square and downfield. That gives Kansas its best chance. Are you going to take some lumps along the way with a North Texas transfer that's adjusting to life in the Big 12 for the first time? Of course. You just hope they're truly lumps and not extended slumps. And, and that's what it's kind of turned into in league play for Jason. So it's got to get better, no doubt. But let's, let's be honest here. I mean, if they're not trying to redshirt Jalen Daniels, then Kendrick probably would have been the third option. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think what he does in the last two minutes is, is going to upset the apple cart and the pecking order at all. But if Jason continues to struggle, then, then maybe they assess it. But realistically, he gives us our best chance. We just need him to get his mojo back, his confidence back. To me, he looked like a guy after the first quarter when he had one interception and three other balls that could have been picked 
that was playing a little more conservatively. I remember one third and 15 where he threw it about 12 yards short of the sticks to take the high percentage pass. That's not going to extend drives. That's not going to win games. And that's not who Jason Bean is. He's a more confident player than that. But I think he had his cage rattled a little bit. And, and they're going to be coming for him, no doubt, tomorrow. I mean, we all remember last year with nine sacks by Oklahoma, a school record. But if he can you know, complete some vertical balls downfield early, get in a rhythm, get back to the confident guy we saw in September, then I think that's a guy we can ride the rest of the way, health permitting, these last six weeks. Yeah, I'll say this. That that might be a good point to bring up with just, you know, the mental side of things as well with you get rattled early in the game because I think, too, I think it was in the third quarter when you had a fourth down and he just, I forget if he threw the ball away or just ran out of bounds, what happened there. Just things like that that you're looking to get fine-tuned. But, I mean, without a doubt, it would be so nice to head into an offseason where and, and if you bring in Miles Kendrick at any point, you know, all of a sudden he's gone at the end of the year with Jason Bean. You could have another couple years with him. And if you're to get this ironed out over the course of the season and then let's say in the final game of the year he has one of his better games in Big 12 play by going through um, all that he's gone through so far against West Virginia, I think people are going to feel pretty excited heading into the offseason if you can start to see some progression there knowing that you could have this guy for a couple of years and knowing that we wouldn't really be going into another offseason where we'd be having this discussion of who's the quarterback. It would just be, okay, we're assuming it's Jason Bean. Yeah, if we had that position entrenched, and, and let's be clear, they're expecting Jalen to push him in mm -hmm. the spring, by the way. But if we had that position entrenched, like he hands down proved he's the QB1 on the Kansas campus over the next month and a half, boy, how many spring footballs have we headed into with that feeling? How many fall camps have we headed into knowing for sure this is our guy September the 1st when they kick it off? I mean, in the last 13 years, I can't think of more than one maybe. And, I mean, because even Carter Stanley a couple years ago, as great of a year as he was, he was a senior after that year. And right. the only year I can think of is the Michael Cummings year where he was good at the end of the year and then he gets injured in the spring game. Exactly. He's out for the year. Exactly. So to have that continuity would be huge. To have that confidence and momentum would be huge. But right now he doesn't have it uh, because of the way these first three league games have gone. But I think he can get it back. I've got a lot of confidence in that young man. I know his quarterback coach, Jim Zabrowski, does. I know Lance Leipold does. But it's going to get tougher before it gets easier these next two weeks, no doubt. Uh, and I referenced the nine sacks that Oklahoma had against Kansas a year ago. KUO line has only given up one sack in the last four weeks, and Bean's elusiveness and escapability is certainly part of that. But they're going to try to rattle that cage from the word go tomorrow, and he's got to find a way to hang in there. He's going to get hit a couple of times. He, he's got to get the ball out quicker, and I think they work this week in, in some rollouts and some quick, decisive you know, reads that get the ball out faster because Nick Benito and 10 of his best friends are going to be trying to do what they did last year. And uh, we saw enough of that guy and called enough of his name last year down in Norman. Talking with Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks here. I do want to talk a little uh, KU basketball. Big 12 Media Day was just on Wednesday. Was there anything that came out of that from a KU perspective, whether it was Bill Self, the players, uh, that you found to be kind of the resounding theme or, or something of importance that you took from that that maybe you didn't know beforehand? Well, my favorite part of the day, I got to go around and get all nine coaches to record funny questions mm -hmm. for Coach Self. Some were funny, some were I'm like, man, I I, uh, I wish he had a little more sense of humor. But Bob Huggins was great, and I won't say what he said, but Huggins and Beard probably have the best personalities. That's and not it's not surprising. And yeah. it's because Self has probably the best relationship with those two, and they feel they can kid him. They feel they can be a little more whatever, you know, one of the boys basically. 
Uh, whereas a couple of the other coaches that didn't know him as well, it was pretty straight laced, and you know, you could probably guess who those people were. Yeah. But the uh, point is, that was the the highlight of my day. I think in terms of stuff that came from the podium with Coach, it was it was great to hear him say something that we've all been speculating for the last few months with the depth and the talent, uh, the quality of depth on this roster. That is this his deepest team ever? Uh, he said one through fourteen. In terms of like the 14th man being able to mix it up with the guys in the starting five and, and, and everybody having a chance to compete for playing time, it's maybe about as good as he's ever had it. That's saying something, clearly. And, and I think we probably know who the 14th guy is uh, with Kyle Cuff being a younger guy that was nicked up in the preseason. But, man, 1 through 13, it, it's, it's hard to imagine um, you know, exactly how it's going to shake out, how he's going to fit 14 guys into 10 spots and you know, ultimately – are you going to have two four-star freshman bigs that are on the outside looking in of that 10-man rotation? I doubt it. One of them's got to work their way in there somehow. But then it's Lightfoot or Cam Martin that, that's on the short end of the stick. And I don't know how he feels about that. And so we'll just have to see what these next two or three weeks look like. But uh, I can't remember a position of this much depth when you're truly talking about all 14 scholarship players all being good enough to compete for legitimate playing time at any other school. And your second five, I said this earlier in the week, and I mean this, our second five I think could go 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12. I really do. Uh, think about who's on that second five. Think about the rest of the league. Now, that that's not just five-on-five five pickup. Yeah. That's with Bill Self coaching right. them. Okay, so Hall of Fame head coach, best mm-hmm. coach in the league, hands down. Mm-hmm. With that second five, I think they could go 9-9. Nine and nine. I like this. This is very interesting. So, I mean, I, I don't know what – the second five is going to entail because I don't know if like okay well let me ask you this first uh, what's your projection for the starting five mine would probably be I don't know Remy Dewan Christian Ochai and Dave I might be leaving somebody out but. Jalen Wilson oh gosh okay I guess Dewan's off the bench so yeah I, but let's just say it's it's that okay so you have at that point Dewan Joe Yesifu uh, either Mitch Lightfoot Cam Martin off the right. bench and then. Who knows? Jalen Coleman lands. Jalen Coleman lands. Coleman lands. Twenty five years old. He was the tenth leading scorer in the Big Twelve last year. That's so, incredible. So think about that. He's, he's mm-hmm. maybe the ninth man off our roster, you know, depth chart. Mm-hmm. Fourth guy off the bench, and he was the number ten scorer in the entire league last year. Yeah. Okay. I'm not trying to sound like hyperbole or or the Kansas no. I, guy I think they the could get to nine and nine. With, I really do. With Bill Self as the coach, Dewan at the point. Yesifu, who scored 23 a game down the stretch for Drake a year ago. Mm-hmm. Jalen Coleman-Lance, who averaged you know, 15, 16 a game at Iowa State. And then, you know, I, I don't know if it would be Cam Martin and then one of those freshman bigs I talked about, like Adams or Clements, or, or what you do with the other spot. But to me, looking at, at where at least the back three teams in our league are, I, I think we go 6-0 and against those teams. <laughs> and, and then I think we find three other wins somewhere else. I think they go 9-9. Second string. Yeah, I think if somebody's just could. tuning yeah. in, I'm talking about the second right, string. Right, right. The, that's how good the the reserves are. Well, I I think it'll be interesting. And, and Adam asked Bill about this uh, on on Wednesday at the podium about the fact that you know how do you kind of manage that with everyone? And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. But I'll say this: uh, when Ochai and and Dave were at the dais or whatever, um, being interviewed by everybody, they both said you know in response to being asked. Could you go 10 deep? They were like, oh, yeah, of course. And uh, the follow-up to that, I, f- I forget who was asking the question. It might have been Matt Tate or somebody else. I can't remember. Um, the follow-up to that was, you know, what does that mean you have to sacrifice? And, and would you be okay sacrificing that? And, and what would that be like? And, you know, they hesitated for a second and said, 
yeah, that would definitely be tough because obviously we're trying to, you know, do good things for ourselves. Obviously, you want to get out and get to the NBA at some point. But they both said, like, at the end of the day, we understand if the team can win and if the team is successful, like, we're going to be fine. And I don't know. That's just two guys of the 14. It takes everybody buying into that. But the fact that your two guys who you're viewing as kind of your upperclassmen leaders, the guys that you're viewing as your spokespeople to go out and talk to the media, I think that probably has to at least come down from a leadership level, and, and I think that's a good sign. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Whenever we're talking about total team buy-in from more than just two or three guys, I always think back to Coach's famous quote from 2008 when he told that team, hey, the pie is big enough for everybody if you win the ultimate prize. You're all going to ultimately – get your individual accolade, half of you are going to get drafted. You're all going to ultimately feel like your, your personal portion was big enough if we reach the ultimate milestone of team accomplishment. And they did. And then look at the draft that followed and, and a couple of years later when, when guys like uh, you know Cole get drafted too. And so it, it really was prophetic what he said then. And I think that's kind of been the mantra ever since for other Kansas teams that were deep. But, man, I don't remember – sitting here in October talking about the 13th and 14th guy on the <laughs> roster being this talented. But that's what happens in this day and age in the transfer portal when you add in four legitimate studs via transfer and then four obviously highly coveted high school players as well. Well, I'll take your, your what you said even a step further that the backups would go 9-9. Nine and nine. I think the third string unit might – they're not going nine and nine. I think the third string unit might not finish last in the Big Twelve. It could, it could win yeah. some games. Yeah, finish eighth or something. Which I mean, that's incredible. That that is pretty wild to think about. Of course, the third string unit would have to have a walk on on it. So, yeah, so that would be tough. They would take some lumps. Mm -hmm. But but again, the caveat to all of this, in case people are like now <laughs> hating me on Twitter for making a braggadocious. Well, statement, that's just Twitter. The, the yeah. caveat to all of this is Bill Self is the coach, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking that's worth at least two to three extra wins over an 18 game slate, just based on his sheer in game adjustment brilliance and, and master motivator all that mm -hmm. but but seriously and, and and you threw out a starting five that's a little bit different than mine but but what if Jalen or Christian did come off the bench and they went with the one in the starting lineup which is your your yeah. point that's even more firepower for my second string argument that already has <laughs> Yesifu Coleman Lands you know the the great freshman bigs Cam Martin who knows what he brings Mitch Lightfoot I mean it's it's going to be interesting but I think that's the point that um like, when, when they brought in Jalen Coleman-Lands, it was, it was at a point in time when you didn't know if Ochai was coming back or staying. So, you could have seen a world where Jalen Coleman-Lands was a starter, yeah. right? Um, if maybe if, if Ochai goes, then instead of it being a wing with just Jalen Coleman-Lands, maybe Dewan Harris starts, you know? Maybe, uh, and Christian Brown was talked about by Bill Self as one of the most improved players. So, I'm, I'm expecting him to start. He was a starter last year and your most improved. Um, but... It was a topic of conversation over the offseason, like, would Christian Brown be a good bench shooter to come off the bench and you can uh, play two guards? So do you start Joe Yesifu? The fact that you have all those guys who we view as the second-team unit who we've at least floated over this offseason, the idea of they could start too, I think just shows it. No, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and those guys in that second unit, usually when we're talking about a talented bench, we're talking about all these young guys that are waiting on their chance. The guys in that second unit are 25, 24. I'm talking about Jalen yeah. and Mitch. Uh, in Yesfu's case, ex experienced March Madness Cinderella star. Guys that have some skins on the wall in terms of like big-time college basketball achievement. And so uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting to think what that might look like. But at the end of the day, no matter how much we talk about 10 minutes, 
man rotations and all that. When we get into crunch time scenarios late in games in February, it's going to shrink down considerably. But if a guy's going through a shooting slump, like Christian Brown did a year ago, I mean, his three-point numbers fell off by 10%. Or if an injury, heaven forbid, happens, and I'm knocking on wood that it won't right now. Okay, you hear that? Uh, <laughs> you've got more proven options, not just potential on the bench, but tried and true I've been through the fights. I've won the battles. You know, proven talent on the bench, more so than I think we've probably ever had in recent memory. Yeah, it's going to make them very versatile. All right, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Before we let you go, we've been doing a uh, fun segment here at the end of interviews with my new co-host and producer, Adam Dravetta. One last thing with Adam. Take it away. One last thing. This is like one big thing? Close. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, Brian, um, I don't normally do this, but I am going to give you a compliment before – I get to one last thing. Um, that always means something bad's coming. No, they, no, no, no. They, they butter you up yeah, at the right? front. No, no, no. I, I just, I, in all seriousness, <laughs> since I got this this job, I kind of um, have thought back on on how I came about getting this opportunity. And I know this show was kind of a product of your imagination, and you kind of, you know, brought it about years and years ago. And and I know you, that you know. Uh, help slingshot you into your current dream job but i i do want to say thank you because it, this show that you started has led to opportunities for nick schwert uh to Derek, obviously and to myself so i know you used it as a as an opportunity for your own career but you know there's a lot of people that that have you to thank for the opportunity that this show provides so i do want to say thank well, you for that thank you for saying that and if i can just say adam we're going to celebrate 20 years yeah. on July the 10th That's awesome. of 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have to get Brett Ballard, the original co-host, over from Topeka, where <laughs> yeah. he's the head coach at Washburn. <laughs> I think Alonzo Jameson would come. Mm -hmm. uh, David Lawrence is right here in town. Bud Stallworth. We need to have a 20th birthday party. Yeah. David might be the toughest to book, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, then, and then when the show turns 21, we'll bring in some kegs from the 23rd Street Brewery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, when the show's it. old enough to drink, <laughs> yeah. and we'll really have some fun. I will say, you guys you know, I, you guys had a little easy. You were, you were sandwiched in between back-to-back -back Final Four teams when you started this, and so that was uh, maybe maybe oh, we you got it so hard, Adam. Preseason <laughs> preseason number three team in the country that we just said the reserves could win nine league about. games. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the world's smallest violin. All right, so one last thing: Would you rather uh, be able to hold your breath underwater or survive in outer space? Mm. Wow, hmm. that's amazing. You know, I've had a chance to go snorkeling as I know Derek has on mm -hmm. his honeymoon in Maui. I've been snorkeling in Hawaii and the Bahamas, and it's incredible. The most vivid co colors you'll ever see in your life are some of these fish 50 feet underwater out in the ocean. So the ability to hold your breath underwater is pretty cool. But to, did you say to breathe in space? No, yeah. To, you, I guess you, to you, survive. You could, you space, could survive right? and breathe with no trouble in outer yeah. space without a suit, or you could breathe no trouble without a scuba gear uh, I, underwater. I so think I'd take space. I mean, it's the final frontier. It's limitless possibilities. So long as there's still some kind of tether or rope that's yeah, going to reel it me back, back you'd in. You'd make it back home. No matter. You make it back to land if you're underwater. Back home to Earth if you're in you space. You see some of those movies where, like, the guy leaves the, the spaceship in, like, a little pod, and, and then he just kind of, like, floats off into oblivion. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. But I, I think as vast as the ocean is in this world, just imagine exploring the entire Milky Way. So give me the latter of the two options, survive in space. I think I'd do the water. I think it's just more applicable to everyday life, right? I just figured there's— But the space there, one's there are cooler. a lot of—as far as in, in our immediate area, 
there aren't many scary things in space if you're able to breathe. Whereas underwater, it's some terrifying. That's stuff the thing. Down yeah, there, you're going to be exploring water, and you're going to see a you big. You see that Pacific Rim movie, man? Those monsters are huge. <laughs> you might meet a mermaid, though. You never know. Yeah, there you go. Ariel could be down there. Future wife. There you go. All right, that's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Brian, thanks for stopping by in studio, and uh, have fun on the call tomorrow. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks uh, so much. All right, Brian Haney with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.